This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Canva, and Canva was in a toxic relationship with a smear campaigning abuser. It's a story of defensive abuse, gaslighting, recording conversations, and taking zero responsibility. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and with me today, we have Canva. How are you? Hi, good morning. I am doing well. Thank you. How are you doing this morning? I am doing well, and today we're going to hear your story uh, of your relationship, of your abusive relationship, and I just really want to thank you for being here with us today. It's not easy to do this, and you're going to share uh, with everyone and help a lot of people. So big thank you for being here, Canva. And now, without further ado, Canva, the floor is now yours. So growing up, I guess my, my parents' relationship as, um, they're, they're still together today. Um, they, they've been married. They just had their 33rd wedding anniversary. Um, it was a very traditional kind of relationship as far as gender roles go. Um, my dad worked, um, he commuted and, um, my mom was a stay at home mom with us until I was in sixth grade. And then she was, um, she went back to work as a teacher. Um, so I have, um, an older brother and a younger sister. We're all very close in age. Their relationship. I mean, they, they never argued. Um, I mean, they had disagreements, but they would never argue in front of us. They were always very candid. They would always go into the other room to have discussions. They never, um, they never saw us. I mean, they never wanted us to see them having any kind of disagreement, which I always kind of appreciated. Um, but also like, I feel like I never really learned how to have those kind of constructive conversations, you know, where like, and even today, like, I feel like my mom really struggles with any kind of confrontation. So it's difficult to have like just any kind of conversation where we disagree, you know? 
Um, so did you inherit that characteristic of, uh, in a way, letting, uh, letting things slide? Um, yeah, absolutely. I feel like I, um, I always kind of had like a, a fear of, um, of bringing up any kind of disagreement, you know, I just feel like, like if I was struggling with something or like, um, like it was really difficult to, to bring it to, to either one of them, just because my, my dad was kind of like, um, he was very kind, but he was kind of um, not really like emotionally available. And my mom, I feel like anytime I had any kind of conflict, she would, um, she would just not be able to have like articulate um, her feelings. I feel like she would take it like personally and get really upset um, that I was feeling this way. So I kind of just learned to not bring up any kind of um, conflict with her. Um, so you were uh, conflict avoidant because you felt that your uh, feelings would be minimized in a way or not validated. And, right. and, and then that would most likely make you feel worse than you, uh, felt before, which then would just pile on top of anything. So instead of ever saying anything, you became voiceless in a way and feeling that feeling that your feelings don't matter and also that your feelings are um just not valid in a lot of ways yeah exactly like um i just didn't really have um yeah, I would, yeah, it would make me feel worse. Right. So like, I would be like, oh, I'm really struggling with this. And then, you know, it's like, oh, like, how could you do this to me? Like, you're a terrible person. Like, you know, like, how could you bring this conflict like to me and my family? You know, like I wasn't, I don't feel like I was ever able to, um, <laughs> like, like feel any kind of way other than like, good, you know, like if I, if I was ever like feeling sad or like, um, upset, like, it like became like everyone's problem, you know? So, um, I kind of just learned to keep, keep those kinds of things to myself. So just being vulnerable in general about, uh, anything, did you hide other things because you didn't want them to be issues with, uh, others? Like if you had like a boyfriend or anything like that, or even maybe when you were going or like even like going through puberty or anything, which is uh, embarrassing for a lot of kids or things that or that they might not want to talk about were these things that you felt like you could share or these things that you're hiding? No, I, I absolutely hid them. Um, you know, there was, um, there were several traumatic events, um, in high school. Um, you know, like I was, I was sexually assaulted, um, I was struggling with an eating disorder. Like I had, um, a, a group of friends that, um, began harassing me and, um, I just, I wasn't able to talk to them about any of it. I just, I just kind of dealt with it on my own. Um, 
but I mean, other than that, they were really great parents. Um, they were, they were very active, um, in scouts. We, um, they were, they coached soccer teams and t-ball. Um, I, I was in, um, piano lessons and we did awanas. I did, um, dance every night of the week, um, throughout high school. So they were very active and involved that way, just um, emotionally very, very unavailable. And as far as your self-worth uh, during your high school years, did you have any? Uh, no, no. Um, actually, my brother my brother actually growing up was pretty emotionally abusive towards me. He, um, he would call me fat and like just tease me all the time, you know, about pretty much everything. So I, um, no, I developed like an eating disorder and I, I've always really struggled with like my self-worth and my self, um, image. So. And during that time when you're struggling with that, what are ways that you are trying to gain worth or are you able to? I mean, no, I don't think I was ever able to. I don't know. I, I just feel like I kind of tried to check out, okay. <laughs> you know. Um, a lot of the time I just, um, and that's something still that I struggle with is like coping, coping strategies, healthy coping mechanisms. I um, try to distract myself from the problem instead of dealing with it. So I think a lot of my, my high school was um, spent trying to avoid everything that was going on. And did you have relationships uh, with people in high school or even after high school? And what is your, uh, do you have like a Christian belief system? Do you have any belief systems um, that could run you as far as uh, relationships go? Um, I, I was raised, um, I was raised in the church. Um, we went, uh, to an Episcopal church, um, which is like Catholic light for those of you who aren't familiar with that. Um, I, I am no longer religious. I don't, I don't affiliate with any, any kind of, um, religion. Um, and as far as relationships go, um, I, I didn't really have relationships at all, um, until I was like, 19 was my first real relationship. I didn't have any kind of desire to get into any of that. It just seemed like a lot of drama in high school, you know. And were you someone who thought of uh, a white picket fence type of family or I have to stay in relationship, like relationships take work. So if something's wrong, like things along those lines, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like going back to my parents' example, um, you know, like they like they disagreed on a lot of things, you know, but it was always like like divorce has never been on the table. It's never been an option. Um, you know, it's like here's two people and they made a commitment and and they work together to find a solution and they're going to make things work, you know. Um, and, and that was, that was always my belief, you know, it's like, um, like we love each other. We have like, we're in this relationship, like I'm going to do whatever it takes to like make things right. 
Um, you know, and like, I, I guess like I didn't really understand that, <laughs> uh, like that's not enough, you know, <laughs> like, um, cause, cause it has to be both parties, you know, that, that are willing to put in the work. It's just, sometimes you can do everything, um, everything right. And, um, if the other person doesn't want to put in the work, then it's just, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's not going to work. <laughs> so you've gone through high school. You've had a lot of bad things happen um, in the sense of um, the assault. Uh, you have uh, a, a your coping mechanism w- partly would be um, your, your, an eating disorder. You don't really have that much worth, so now you kind of go out into the world, and eventually you do meet who this story is about. So I guess start. I guess begin with telling us uh, how you met this person, and and go from there. So my aunt and cousins have a farm, um, and they do. Um, they have a lot of seasonal work. Um, so I was going up, um, to work for them and they needed, um, several other people, um, for this particular job. So I had invited a friend of mine and I said, if you have any other friends who are available and need work, like feel free to bring them. Um, so my friend brought along this person, um, how old are you at this time? Um, I was 22, I believe. Okay. 22. Yeah. So he, they came up, there was a group of, I think six of us and we were all staying there and working on the farm, um, living on the farm. Um, and I just like instantly, um, felt connected to this person like in a way that I didn't like, like I didn't even know was possible. And it's like, it's difficult to explain. It's just um, like, it was so deep and so intense and so instant. Like, I just felt like, um, like I had known him for like, you know, like all like, I just felt like I, I, I I had been waiting for him. You know, it's just like, oh, like, here you are, <laughs> you know? And it, it was just, he just felt like my, my person, you know, like, like, I feel like, wow. Like I feel, um, like, like it was just like, this is it, you know, like this is my person. And I just like everything he said, um, just like aligned with my beliefs and like, um, like he, we wanted all the same things, um, you know, like, uh, and he was like adventurous and funny and like just fun to be around. And it was just, everything was just so like lighthearted and like, we we're just laughing and like playing. And, um, 
this is who I, this is who I want to be. Like, I just like, I enjoyed like myself when I was around him, like, like he just has this, this way of like making you feel like special, you know? And, um, yeah, everything I said, like, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was being judged. He would tell me things like, um, like about like his goals and like everything. And I was just like, yeah, like this is, this is, this is what I want. Like this. And it was just, we were just so aligned, like perfectly on everything, you know, like we wanted all the same things. And, and yeah, I just felt like so free to like express myself and like be, be myself. And I just felt like, like accepted and understood and just like, and I just, I just remember like lying there and it had only been like a week and like in my head, I was just like, I, like, I love this person. Like I have never loved anyone or anything. Like, I just like, like, I didn't know that this love was kind of like, that this kind of love was possible. You know, it was like so deep and so intense. And I just like knew that I would be spending the rest of my life with this person. And then like, but like in my head, it's like, I don't even know him. Like, this is crazy. You know, like, like I just met him and like, then it had only been like maybe like a week and like we were lying next to each other and he like he turned to me and he said like do you love me because I feel like you love me <laughs> and I said yeah yeah I think I do and he said I love you too um and then like we were just like inseparable you know like we just spent all of our time together um and and that was it. Like he was my person. And like, you know, um, he had talked about oh, like wanting to like settle down and like, you know, build roots. Cause both of us had been, um, kind of traveling. Um, but yeah, we were, we were both, um, we were both just re- ready to, to settle down. And like, he had wanted to go to school and, like start a career and all these things. And, um, like we had made plans to do that, you know, but at the same time, like he was so adventurous, um, which is something and like spontaneous, which is something that I really loved about him. Um, you know, like he had just got back from, uh, this like bike tour and like where he had gone like all the way up and down, like the coast of California and Oregon. And like, um, you know, like, I just, I was so excited to like settle down, but also like explore and like go on adventures with him. And like, I was just, I don't know, like looking back, like that time, I think it's like the happiest I've, I've ever been, you know? Um, and just like so excited for the future, you know? You were two lost souls that were meeting each other and, and you felt that you wouldn't be lost anymore. Exactly. I, I felt, I felt safe and I felt like, like for the first time, like in, in my life, I felt like everything was going to be okay. You know, it's just like, Oh, I like, I found my person and you know, um, like this is it. Like, I feel like I can, I can like begin like living my life in the way that, that I want, you know, because I have this person to like, to do it with me, to, to do life with me, you know, like, I just, I just, yeah, I just felt, I just felt so safe and secure at that time, mm-hmm. you know? 
so after that time working on the farm, how did things progress from there? So after that, I had, I had made plans to go, um, and work for, um, the winter season at, um, as a resort. I, um, I wanted to, um, get a job as a snowboarding instructor. It was just something that I had wanted to do. So he was like, of course, like, I want to come with you, you know? So we had made this plan to like go up for, for the next few months and, um, and work on this resort together. And, um, I had actually, um, one of my old, um, bosses, I used to work as like a, a seaweed harvester <laughs> and my, my boss at that time, she was selling, um, like a, a an RV and I was like let's just buy this RV and we'll go up and we'll like live on the mountain and we'll like work for the season and you can come with me and we'll just like spend the whole winter like on the mountain right um so we did that and then um the RV that I bought ended up like like catching on fire and it was like this whole thing um so I had to buy like another one so I had purchased like two RVs and um we like made it our way up the mountain. We like found a a park that we could um, stay at um, for the winter. We were like the only ones in the park and we were both just spending all of our time on the mountain. And it was like really just the two of us in an RV. It was, it was, it was fun. I mean, like we didn't, argue like there was no issues like it was still just um you know we were just having fun but I feel like the first red flag here was um that he didn't have any money for rent and like it was confusing to me because like we had both worked the same job in the same place for the same amount of time and we both got paid the same amount and I hear, like, I had already purchased two RVs, and I still had money for rent, you know? Like, so I was just like, like, where, like, where's your money? Like, why, like, why am I, why am I paying rent? Like, for both of us, you know, in the RV that I bought. So that was like, I feel like that was really like the first big red flag, you know, that I should have, like, I should have. I should have said something, but like at that point, it was just like, oh, like everything was still just like so wonderful, you know, like we were still just like getting along and having fun and like everything was fine. So like, I just did it because like he said he didn't have any money. So like, <laughs> I don't know, you know, so we were kind of looking for the next place to go. And my parents had had um, like a vacation home um, outside of this town that I I really loved and so I said like why don't we why don't we move there like we could stay in in the vacation house um until we we find jobs and like get you know we can use this as like a launch pad um so we ended up doing that and again like we we moved in and it just I don't know I think um I've always struggled with depression. Um, so I think, um, at this point, like, I don't know, he, he just wasn't wanting to like engage or interact with me or like spend time with me. Um, and it was, I don't know, it it was just kind of confusing and hurtful because it's like, we're, 
we're like, we're here together. Like we're having this new like experience adventure, like let's go and explore. But like, he wasn't wanting to look for work and he wasn't, um, wanting to do anything. He would just like watch movies like all day. And, um, like I thought, Oh, maybe like he's depressed or frustrated because like, it's, it's a difficult transition. I don't know. Um, um, but then, uh, we ended up moving, um, into the city. I wanted to move into separate houses just because I didn't want to be like, like it's important for me in a relationship to have like your own friends and your own hobbies and your own life. Right. So like, I didn't want to move in and, uh, I feel like it would be limiting to, um, like I wanted to have like our own interests and ideas and our own view of the city that we can share with each other. Right. So here we are at the six month mark. You, uh, this relationship began, you are experiencing, uh, a feeling that you've never experienced before. And it's something that you were always looking for. You found it in this person and things start, uh, right out of the gate you said I love you uh, pretty quickly. Both of you have. And uh, you are moving at a really fast rate. And then you do something. In, and also there's the one red flag um, when it came to uh, rent. Then there's um, you know a little bit of a uh, withholding, would you say? Or just like a, a separation uh, from your connection uh, a little bit when you're at your parents' place, and now here you are moving to a uh, 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 town, and within that, you are doing the mature thing, and to you're saying to yourself, we need to be more independent, and now you want to get the uh, separate residences because you feel that that is the healthiest thing to do as far as your relationship would go in the long run of things, which is especially at your age uh, at the time, that's not an easy thing to um, understand, but you felt it uh, to be the right thing to do. So um, first of all, good awareness of that. And, and, And from that point, what happens from here? We both end up finding our own, um, our own places. Things are going great. I had two jobs. I was working at two different restaurants and, um, we were both going to community college. We're both going to the same school. Um, he chose not to work and was taking out student loans to pay his rent, which, (laughs) you know, um, that's a choice. And here I feel like was, another really big red flag um, where he started having these phone conversations with an ex-girlfriend. And like, I'm not, I was never a jealous person. Um, You know, he'd be like, Oh, like we grew up together and she lives like States and States away. Like I just like, am, am wanting to like stay connected with her, but like I would go to his house and like, he would be on the phone with her for like an hour at a time. And I would just be like sitting there, like waiting for him to get off the phone with his ex-girlfriend. 
And, like, you know, it's like, I, like, I understand, like, you have girlfriends, like, I have guy friends, like, some of my best friends are males, you know, and it's like, I don't anticipate you to just, like, stop talking to your childhood friends because you're in a relationship, but I just felt like that was, um, that was a lot, (laughs) you know, a lot, um, I just, I just felt really uncomfortable with that, um, especially because, um, like, later, um, and, like, we'll get into this, but, like, later, like, he would leave, or, like, we would be separated for, like, long periods of time, and, like, I would try to call him, and he'd say, like, oh, I just really don't like talking on the phone, like, I just really, and, like, he would, he would, like, hang up after only, like, a couple of minutes, so, like, (laughs) that was, like, okay, but, like, you are on the phone with your ex-girlfriend for, like, an hour at a time, like, how does that, like, that doesn't really add up for me, you know, um, but anyway, I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself um he just didn't like the living situation he was in and after about three months he decided that we should move in together um because he was miserable at this place um we ended up moving into a three-bedroom house and I think it was like a week after we had moved into this house I don't even think we had, like, finished unpacking. Um, I found out that I was pregnant with our son. So, and, like, he had actually wanted kids. But then um, after after I got pregnant, it was, like, there was, like, a switch. (laughs) You know, it was, like, really it seemed to happen overnight where, um, like, we just started arguing all the time. Um, and it was like, anything I said or did, um, he would accuse me of being crazy. Like, oh, you're crazy. Like, you're so hormonal. Like, you're just pregnant and like nothing you do or say makes sense. You know, it's like everything, like I was just completely and totally invalidated, um, because I was like crazy and hormonal and I just like, couldn't even have a conversation um, without being accused of, like, being hormonal and crazy, um, and and it was just, it was just so bizarre, because, like, up until that point, like, we had not even argued about anything, and now, all of a sudden, we were arguing about every little thing, and it was just, like, stupid little things, and it was, like, who even cares, but then you'd be, like, oh, like, well, you're acting crazy, and it's, like, okay, like, I just, I felt like I really couldn't say or do anything without being accused of being, like, crazy hormonal. So that's, like, that's really when it started, um, after I got pregnant. And then, um, from there, uh, I felt like I needed to save up some money, um, so I, I had gone back to the, the farm that we were originally on, um, so I could save up as much money money as I can so that after the baby comes, I could stay home. Um, But it was like in a different state. And while I was gone, um, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but uh, we got kicked out of our house for some reason, for whatever reason. I don't don't know. I wasn't there. Um, 
But then because he didn't have a job or any income, he couldn't find another place to live. So we had to, we had to move out. And like, I, like I wasn't able to come back and get like another job because I was pregnant. So um, we ended up moving back um, to my hometown. My dad, he had built this, um, we have like an alleyway behind our house. And he had built this like two-story garage and above it was like, um, it was like an apartment, but it was unfinished. So he, he decided that he was going to, um, finish it for us. And he had insulated sheetrock. He put a bathroom in there and like a little kitchen. Um, and we were going to live in there. Um, but during this time, like my ex, he was kind of just, um, like very absent, which I thought, I thought was so strange because, like, my parents are doing, like, all of this work for us and, like, getting a place for us to live and spending, like, thousands of dollars, like, fixing up this place. And he he had no desire to, like, help in any way. And he would just, like, be gone. Like, I don't even know where he went. He would just be, like, gone. <laughs> um, and I was just, like, at my parents' house during this time. So eventually he gets a job, correct? He got a job um, on a different farm and he would wake up really early in the morning and he would leave at like 5 a.m. And then he would come home and he would just pretty much go straight to bed. Um, You know, maybe he'd like watch a movie. Um, but like during this time, it was just, I just didn't really see him. Um, you know, like he had no interest in spending any time with me or the baby, um, after the baby was born, like I would wake up and I would make him coffee and lunch so he could like spend some time in the morning with the baby, but like he would just lay there in bed. And then, like, he would just come home and, um, like, watch a movie and go straight to bed. Like, there was there was not, like, any interaction with me or our son, like, during this time. And um, so that, that was, like, the first, like, two months um, after my son was born. I felt like I was really doing everything on my own, you know. Um, he wouldn't wake up to help in the, in the night. He wouldn't help with the diapers or like anything like that. I was like, really? Um, and he would say, you know, like, oh, um, you know, like the baby just wants his mom. Like I can't, there's nothing I can do, you know? Um, and then, and then after the first two months he left, um, he left to go work on the farm. He was gone for about six months. Um, so really the first eight months, I was just completely on my own with the baby. Um, and he said that he had wanted to go work on the farm so that he could save up money so that we can get our own place. Um, and during this time, he said that he wanted to go back to school 
Um, so he wanted to move to a different town that was about six hours away from where we were. So I ended up moving there with the baby, um, without him about two months before. Um, and I, I got a, I knew some friends over there, so I was able to get, um, like a little cabin for us. And then he ended up joining us about two months later, but like he was gone for six months. And when he came back, he only had like $2,000 saved. So like he had just missed out on like eight months of like his son's first year for like, for $2,000, you know? And I was um, so that was really like kind of heartbreaking. Oh, I, I had forgotten an incident. Um, so before he had left, um, like when we were there, um, like he, he would make a lot of jokes about like shaken baby syndrome <laughs> and like, he would like, he would be like, ah, oh, shaken baby syndrome and like pretend to shake the baby and like, just like really concerning things like that, you know, that made me like not really want him to be around the baby. <laughs> and um, like he would put on like metal music really loud. Um, like anytime the baby started crying, he would just like, and like the one time I, I think I was like in the house and my dad said he had um, walked into the garage, which was below the apartment. And he heard him just like screaming, like screaming at the top of the lungs at his baby to like, like be quiet. Um, so it was just like, not, not nurturing, like in any way towards this baby. Um, and it, it was just, uh, just really concerning. Um, and then there was an incident. I don't even know what we were fighting about, but, um, the baby was still pretty young at this point and he was asleep in his little crib next to the bed. And, um, he started like shouting and like throwing things. He slammed my French press, which had shattered. And I was on the bed um, and he pulled me, he told me to get off the bed. And I like, I was like, no, I'm not getting off the bed. Like there's broken glass and like you're screaming. And he had pulled me, he was trying to pull me off the bed. And we had one of those beds with like the four posts and, um, I had grabbed, I had grabbed onto the post. So like he couldn't pull me off the bed and, um, he pulled me so hard that it had snapped. Um, and this was like, you know, it was, it was about like six inches. Like <laughs> it was a pretty like hefty, like post, you know? Um, and just, it, it just, like I said in the beginning, like he just, he's so charismatic and charming and like, he makes you feel like the, the most special person in the world. And then there'd be like a disagreement and it, it was just like this switch, you know, like it just, just this like volatile, like this person. And like, it just, it, it didn't make sense to me, you know, like just trying to <laughs> trying to put these two people like, or the, you know, it was like, it was like Jekyll and Hyde, you know, like there was like this person that I loved. And then there was this person who was behaving this way. 
Um, you know, and it, it was hard for me like to, to rationalize how they could possibly be the same person, you know? Um, and I think like the reason why, like myself and like a lot of other victims of like domestic violence, like don't speak out is because like, A, it's like embarrassing, like that we like, we put up with this kind of stuff that we stayed through it. Um, and I think it's hard to accept that like this, this person that you love so much and like this person that is so charming and like they can make you feel like the most special person in the world. Like, like that's who you love. That's who you love and that's who you want to be with. Right. And then there's this person and just like the cognitive dissonance that you experience in the, like in these types of situations, like trying to rationalize how they can possibly be the same person, you know? Does that make sense? <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. So, um, back to, <laughs> back to this little cabin. Um, we had only been there for like a couple of months. He ended up getting a job on a flower farm and he worked there for about a week and he decided that he hated it so much that he just didn't want to work there or anywhere at all. And he quit. Um, so at this point, um, our, our son was still a baby. He was still breastfeeding. Um, and I had to go to work because he didn't want to work. So I got a job in a casino, the town we were living at, there really wasn't anything there. It was just like a cafe, a bar, and a casino. So I had got a job um, as a cocktail waitress in the casino, and I was working from six at night until two in the morning so that I, I could be with my son during the day. Um, and I would pump on my lunch break, and I would come home, and... I would wake up um, at 5.30 in the morning because that's, that's when my son woke up. He would wake, he would wake up at 5.30 in the morning. And um, so I would wake up with the baby so that their dad could sleep in. <laughs> Even though I had been working until like 2 o'clock in the morning, he said that he, um, he needed some, his sleep and that he couldn't get out of bed without coffee. So he wouldn't get out of bed until I had made him a French press. Um, and then, um, so we had lived there for about two months. And um, I just, I was tired. I felt completely unsupported um, in every way. Uh, and I, I told him, you know, like, I, I really, I don't, I don't want to, do this anymore you know like I can't something has to change like I just I, I'm tired and like I can't continue continue living like this and I was dressed for work I was on my way out the door and I realized that my car keys were missing um and uh then I see him throw my phone into a blackberry bush and 
Then I had gone back in the house and I had realized that all of the cash, all of the tips that I had saved for month that for rent that month were also missing. And he had hid my keys. He had <laughs> taken my money and my phone. And he had told me that he was going to get me fired from my job. And that when he takes me to court to take our son from me, that we would be on an equal playing field because we were both unemployed. And our, our house was pretty secluded. Um, it was several miles to town or to anything. Um, so I was, I was trapped. I, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't call anyone. I, I didn't have any money. I didn't have any transportation. I was, I was trapped there. He trapped me. <laughs> um, and he was, threatening to take my son away. And I, I just have never been so angry. And I ended up, I just, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying that what I did was right, but I ended up smashing his car window. Um, I just, I, I was just boiling. Like I was boiling with rage. Um, and I, I just, I had never been so angry and I, I'm embarrassed to like admit it, but, um, I just felt trapped and I, um, I didn't know what to do. So, I mean, he wasn't in the car. Like, let's make that very clear. <laughs> he wasn't in the car. Um, but then he called the cops on me and said, oh, she's going crazy. She's like smashing our windows for no reason, like blah, blah, blah. And the cops come and like, I just, I look like a crazy person, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, but I'm sure, I'm sure you know very well about reactive abuse. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just, I would have called the cops if I could, but my phone was in a blackberry bush. Um, so, uh, the cops made him, uh, give me my stuff back and, uh, yeah. And then, and then, you know, it's like, you want to be upset at the situation, but then it's like, you have all this guilt about like reacting the way that you did, you know, it's like, Oh, like, yes, he held me prisoner and he threatened to get me, like he tried to get me fired and threatened to take my kid away. But I, I reacted in this way. So I'm also like a terrible person, you know? But then of course, you know, from his perspective, like he, like, he won't admit to any of the things that he did. I just like went crazy and smashed his window for no reason. You know, people ask like why I didn't leave, but it's like, he had me convinced that, that I was the problem, you know? So, um, shortly after that, he ended up having a conflict with, the landlord's daughter where he screamed at her over the phone. Um, and we got kicked out of our house again. (laughs) So for the second time, uh, we are getting kicked out of our house. And, um, so I ended up finding a place in town, downtown. Um, it was a cute little three bedroom. Um, and at this time, like, he still wasn't working. He, um, he was going to school. Um, so he said he couldn't work while he was going through school. So, which we know is 
not true. <laughs> um, so, but, but, you know, like I wanted to support him in that. Like, yes, I want you to, I want you to go through school. I want you to like achieve your goals. So I was working in the evenings and, um, I was paying our rent, you know, it was, it was really frustrating because like I was struggling to like pay the rent and the utilities and buy the groceries. And like he every day had like beer and cigarettes and he had a membership to the rock climbing gym and like every day like I was at home taking care of the baby and he was like rock climbing (laughs) and like you know again like I just felt like very very alone um and uh so here we have you are struggling in the sense of uh, being tired, uh, mentally exhausted. You're taking care financially of a lot of things here. You're not able to spoil yourself in any way. You are doing a lot of the heavy lifting, most of the heavy lifting going on. And then you also have this other person who is living their best bachelor life, even though they're married and have a child they're doing as little as possible in in a sense as far as breadcrumbing a situation where it might look like you, you can't officially say hey you're not doing anything because he does take care of the child sometimes but it's not an even split in any way whatsoever he's already shown that he's uh lazier doesn't like to do things it technically here it might sound like you're living with a teenager um who throws tantrums when they do not get their way so you're getting this version of someone who is the person you fell in love with and you loved and the heroin addiction a part of the aspect uh, of the relationship comes in of that initial thing that you held onto that you grasp onto that you can he see here and there that you can come back to, but then there are these rages that occur of this person that you did not know exist existed at all, and now they're doing extremely um, uh, ab- abusive things. They're stealing from you. They're um, you know they are you know taking your car keys away. You're isolated in the situation. They're threatening you. There's these intimidation factors that are going on as well. And then when you do react to the situation this one time, that becomes a kernel of truth within you, within possibly a story that he can tell. Remember that time you did this and this, which can now really twist you backwards. And now you're in a spot here where he's been able to get away with what he's been able to get away with, which is a lot of not pulling his weight. He's been able to be abusive in situations. He's, you know, running the roost here. And when you did say that you wanted to leave, you know, again, um, you know, his, uh, or that there were issues, the rage happened. So now you're in this spot where, I assume you don't want to see that rage come back. Uh, you're you're angry, but there is a fear here, and you're and you're stuck at this moment because 
of the cognitive dissonance that is going on and, you know, fear of your children being taken away. I mean, who would not be uh, afraid of that fear of you losing that job that is keeping the food on the table for all these things. So he has you in a spot right here. And like, this is a really uh, where you are right now is a scary spot to be in. Yeah. Like you said, like it, it just, you can see, like, you can see the person that you fell in love with and you can see how, how they treat, how they're treating others in your life and how special they make those people feel. And you, they have these, these talents and these abilities. And like, you still see like this, this potential in this person. And like, you, like, you just want to get back to that, that initial feeling, right? Like you just, and then you start sacrificing like parts of yourself, like, Oh, maybe like if, if I, if I do this or if I do that, like, you know, like we can get back to this point, you know, and you start letting things slide, um, because you don't want the arguments, right? Like, like you just want, you just want to get back to that point. Like, like, uh, like I would, I would get frustrated because, you know, not only am I like paying the bills and doing the grocery shopping and cooking and cleaning, like our son was like, um, I cloth, di- I would, I use cloth diapers. So it was at the laundromat, like every other day, you know, and like, he didn't cook, like we were together for like five years and like, the the amount of of times that he cooked for for us i could count on one hand you know so like i would i would cook dinner for him and the baby and then go to work and i would come home and the, and the sink would be full of dirty dishes and you know it's like okay like the very least you can do is like wash the dishes and then you know like you get so sick of like talking about the dishes and then you know it's like okay like like, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. Like, don't even, like, I just, I'll just, I'll just wash the dishes because I'm sick of arguing about it, you know? Like, and so, so you end up like making sacrifices in that way just to keep the peace, you know? And then like, I just, I just didn't want to argue about, about it. So I just, you just end up doing everything because otherwise there's conflict, you know? So, um, and then, and then, like I said, like I was, I was supporting him so that he can go to school. Um, but then again, like he ends up leaving to like go work on the farm and like dropping all of his classes. And I think at the end of like this, like year and a half long period, he had finished like one Spanish class. So I've been supporting him this whole time so that he can focus on school. And then he wasn't even focusing on school, you know, and like, he had come back at the end of like several months. So again, like I was on my own, like taking care of the baby, like paying his rent, like doing all this by myself. And then he had come back and he gave me $300, which I was so grateful for, you know? And like our rent at this time was 1250. So like that wasn't even half of his half of the rent, this $300. But still I was like, yes, thank you so much. Like, I'm so excited. There was this bike that I really wanted to get. And I was like, I think I'm going to buy this bike. I have like this extra $300, you know? And then he was like, you know what? Actually, like I need that money back. And I was like, what? Like I've been paying your rent for like, for like over a year, you know? And this isn't even half of your half and like you're asking for the money back and it was just like this whole this whole ordeal 
And I was like, no, like, it's my money now. Like you gave it to me. Like, and just like based on principle, it's like, like, why should I give you this money back? Like, like, you know, like I just, the very least you can do is like, I don't know. And so I, um, I just refused, like, you know, like I'm, I'm not giving you the money back. Um, and so I have this, this, Mar- uh, it's like a mahogany Martin brand guitar. I paid like $1,200 for it. He took it to the pawn shop and he pawned it and he made me go, go, go pay to get it out so that he can get his money back in that way, you know? And like, <laughs> it's just so <laughs> like, who does that? Who does that? Like, and, and you know, and it's like, like, I loved that guitar so much, you know, like I bought it when I was like 19 years old and I, I, it, I worked really hard to get that. And I still like, I can't even play it. Like I can't get rid of it because it's so special to me, but I, I can't play it because now there's this like trauma attached to it, you know? So <laughs> then he decides that he's done, he's done going to school, he's done living here, and he wants to move again. So he wants to start a farm. So, um, so he moves, he just leaves, he doesn't help me pack, he doesn't help me, like all of these times that we've moved, he's never helped me pack or unpack or physically move anything. Like he just left. And for me and the baby to pack up and move all of our things and move the six hours back. So he went to this town like a couple months ahead of us to go and, and find a place. And, um, so I think in that time I, I, I temporarily been staying with my parents and um, he was in, in the new town that he wanted to live in, um, and he was staying in uh, with a friend. They had, like, this little cabin on their property. Um, so me, I think I don't, he, the baby was, like, less than two years old. I think he was, like, almost two, but we had gone, and we hadn't, we'd only been there for a couple of days and like he had been working at this restaurant with um with a bunch of like young girls like in their in their early 20s young women um and we were sleeping one night and his phone starts ringing in the middle of the night and it's it's this woman that he worked with you know and he didn't answer it but <laughs> the next day i was like hey like like why is she calling you in the middle of the night you know like like, why does she think that that's okay? Like, does she know that we even exist? Like, did you tell her that you have a family? Like, why? Like, you know, I don't mind that she has your number, like your coworkers, but like, why is she calling you in the middle of the night? You know? Um, and he just kept defending her. Like, like, oh, like, you're crazy. Like, you're blowing this out of proportion. She didn't do anything wrong. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, the whole day, like, just defending her and um it was just really frustrating you know it's like like you're not validating me you're not you're not making me feel like supported you're not like reassuring me in any way 
Like you're just defending this person. And like, like it just made me feel really insecure. Um, and then he had like, we were in the main house like that whole day at that point, And then he had gone to the little cabin. I, I had, I'd waited for maybe like an hour to like let things kind of cool down. And I was holding the baby. He was, he was asleep at that point. And I had gone into the, the cabin and he was in there watching a movie and I had gone to, um, to go get in the bed. And before, before I can get in the bed, before I could say anything, he just shoves me and the baby into the wall and the baby ends up hitting his head on the wall and he's crying. And like, again, like I, I just, I just snapped and I, I hit him. Um, you know, and like, like, again, like I'm not, I'm not condoning this at all, but like, I had just like, he shoved me and my baby into a wall. And like, it was just like, again, like it just, it doesn't make sense, you know? And then again, he had called the cops on me (laughs) and the cops came and, and he had said like, oh, she just started attacking me for no reason. You know, when it's like, no, like we had had this like disagreement all day. And then out of nowhere, you shoved me and the baby into the wall. And he just completely denied it, denied everything. And just like, Oh, like she's, and even our friends we were staying with, like, oh, she's crazy. Like she just snapped and attacked me for no reason, you know? And again, like threatening, like, oh, like you're going to get your kid taken away. Like all this stuff, like, like now, like I have this police record of you attacking me and like, you're a violent person and like, I just, (laughs) <laughs> again, I just, it, like, none of it makes sense, you know? And I think an- another another part of, like, why I, it's been so difficult to, to share, because it doesn't make sense. Like, none of it makes sense. You know, like, why, like, why would you, like, why would any person, I don't know, I just, it, it, it felt like we were, like, coexisting in like alternate realities, you know, like where his version of reality and my, the reality that I was experiencing were just so vastly different, you know? Um, and then again, like, you, you know, like, oh, like I reacted in this way and now he's threatening to take my kids away. So you stay because like, how can I possibly leave my kid and then have to share it with this person? Like, how can I do that? You know? Um, I don't know. So I stayed and we ended up moving into this house and um, starting a farm. And again, like he had no money. So myself and our friend funded the the farm we bought we bought all the seeds the irrigation like the tools everything that we needed for this farm and um I feel like this this part of our story um was the most um emotionally manipulative um 
I felt really, um, really isolated um, in this in this house. He he began telling me these these stories of of things that were people were saying about me, and um, like it was just really confusing because he would he would say like very specific things like this person and this person told me that they don't like you because all you do is, is talk badly about me when I'm not around. And, and I would think like, wow, like I don't remember saying anything at all about you to them at all, you know? And then, and then I would start questioning like, wow, like, did I say that? Like, did I say something? And then, you know, like there was another, a couple, he, he told me like, oh, like they, they don't like you because they think you're really mean. And they would never let you babysit their kids. And, but they would, they would let me babysit their kids. And I'm like, wow, like I barely know these people. Like why, like why would they think that I'm mean, you know? And um, he just, he would have these stories about everyone in the community. And like, he just convinced me that everyone hated me. And so like every time, like I would leave the house. It's like, like, how do you interact with these people? You know, that, that, that when everyone hates you, like you're going into this community and like trying to like establish yourself and like make friends and make connections, but you're being told by the person that you love that everyone hates you. Um, and so that was, it was really hard. It was really hard to, exist like in, in in a place where where everyone allegedly hates you you know uh when these things started happening did you have anyone in a support system at all outside of this that you were able to talk to at all or was that just not a thing you were willing to do because this is the only person that understood you in a way I did have, I was working at a restaurant and I did have, there were two women that I would confide in. Um, but he, he knew this and he forbid them from coming over. He said that I'm, I'm not allowed to have them at my house, that they know too much and that he's not comfortable having them around. Um, and I remember, I remember him telling me, like, so we were in the kitchen and he said, like, these people aren't allowed to come over. Like, do you, um, do you comply? And I was like, do I comply? Like, what? He was like, yes, like, you, you need to comply. Like, you need to obey. Like, you need to agree with me. Wow. Like, that's so strange. But, um, yeah, again, you know, like, you, you, you end up agreeing and like just following along because you don't, you don't want conflict. Right. So, so yeah. Yeah, I guess like, because what's the alternative? Like, so what happens from here? Um, I ended up leaving. I, I, I broke up with him and I had gone back to live with my parents and so a uh, question, what led up to that breakup? At this point, I think, I think I had just had enough. Like I was just, 
I was so lonely and, and heartbroken all the time, you know, like I was just, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to leave. I wasn't allowed to have friends over. Like he was gone all the time. Like he would go to his friend's house and I was just alone at the house, like all the time. And then he would come home and like, he would just be watching movies. Like he would watch like three movies a night. And I would just be like sitting there like, Hey, like, do you want to like go sit outside or like do something? Like we can play a game. We can do anything. And he was just not interested in interacting with me in any way and like I would like I would be like oh like let's go like let's go do this like there's an event like let's go do this and like it's just like he never wanted to be like he never wanted to do anything with me he never wanted to be seen with me and I like I felt like he was embarrassed by me you know like like everyone hates me and like my own partner is like embarrassed to be seen with me, you know, like, and then, and then, and yeah, like even when he was there, he was like not there, you know, like he, he wouldn't interact with me. He wouldn't engage with me. And again, like I was do, doing everything by myself. Like I would put the baby to bed and I was just, it was so heartbreaking to like feel so lonely in, in the same house as the one person that, that you love and you care about, you know? And I just like, I just didn't want to do it anymore. So I left. Um, he did like immediately um, like start seeing other people. But then um, like going back to like my beliefs of a relationship, it's just like the nuclear family um was really important to me, you know? And I just, I, I, it was just so hard for me to like give up on this, this idea of, of being a family and like, like raising my kid without his dad, you know? Like I just, so we never really, like I was living with my parents, but like we never really stopped talking. Um, and, and, and during this time, you know, it's like, he was the person that, that I, that I saw in the beginning, you know, we would go out and we would have fun and everything would be great. And like, you know, like he'd, he'd like apologize and say all the right things. And like, and then we ended up sleeping together. It was like the only time that we've ever used protection. It was like shredded. Like there, like there was like nothing left. And, and like, um, I was like, how did, like, how did that happen? You know? <laughs> Like the one time that we've ever used protection and then I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter that one time before, before I found out that I was pregnant, I had, I had gone up there and, um, it was right before Thanksgiving and I was going to my aunt's house for Thanksgiving. He just made me feel so guilty about leaving him alone on Thanksgiving. You know, like you're taking my son and like all this, like, I just, so the whole time I was at my aunt's, like, I just felt like this pit in my stomach. Like I couldn't even have, like, I couldn't even enjoy myself because I felt so guilty for like leaving him alone on Thanksgiving. And so like the morning after Thanksgiving, I had left like really early in the morning. It was like a four hour drive. So I had left, um, really in the early in the morning so that I can, I can, be there and, and spend the day with them. And I showed up and there was a girl in his bed. Like there was a girl there, you know, and it's like, wow, like I, I, 
you made me feel so guilty for leaving you alone, but you're, you're not alone. Like you're with someone else, you know, at that point, like I learned that I was, I was pregnant. So, um, I decided to move back in because I don't want to be a single mom of two kids, you know? And like, again, like he was apologizing and saying all the right things and like, please, like, I, I like, I want to, like, I want to be the dad for, like, my kids and all this stuff. Um, so, again, I, I moved back in. <laughs> um, everything was, at first, like, for, like, the first month, you know, like, it was, it was perfect. It was everything, like, everything that it should be, you know? Like, we, like, we were doing things together and, like, you know, we had the farm still, like, we were doing farmer's market, and we were part of the community, and he would, like, tell everyone, like, oh, like, everything is so good, like, you know, like, blah, 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 um, but that, it only lasted for, like, a month, and then, I don't know where to start, like, he would, he's, he started, like, just degrading me, like, my, my physical appearance, you know, like, I remember we were driving once, and he, he looked over to me, and he said, like, wow, like, your skin is really old. Like, you look like you're you're aging, you know, like, just out of nowhere. Or, like, we would, like, we would be talking, and he'd be like, wow, your hair looks really stupid, you know? <laughs> or, like, um, like, I felt like he was embarrassed by me. Like, I just, I was just, like, terrible and ugly and stupid, like... And then, and then also like, again, you know, I was like a crazy pregnant person and, um, it was like every, every conversation that we had, um, he began to like, he would like dictate it back to me. So like we would finish a conversation and he would say like, I can't believe you said this and this, and like, you were yelling at me the whole time. And I would think like, wow, like. I don't remember saying any of that. I don't remember yelling at all, you know? And like, again, it was just like, he, he, like, I was the crazy pregnant person. It got to the point where I had to, I I started recording our conversations. Um, Like every conversation I had, I would just like on my phone record it so that I could listen back to it. Because like his interpretation of, of the conversation and, and my what I had experienced were so drastically different. I remember like having a conversation with my aunt and like, like she said like, Oh, like I was on speakerphone and then she said like, I love you. And I was like, I love you too. And then like, she's, you know, she had said something else and then she hung up and like, he was like, wow, like you didn't even tell her that you loved her, you know, like, like, how could you, how could you just not tell your aunt that you loved her? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I did you know, but, like, even if I didn't, like, she knows that I love her, like, like, why are you making such a big deal out of it, you know, and I just felt like he was just trying to, like, make me question, like, like, my own actions, you know. So, at this point, you are back in the relationship, you're gonna be having a second child, and, the honeymoon of being back is uh over these things are the gaslighting is is happening a lot you 
uh, are I guess losing or are you you're starting to lose the sense of reality or sense of what is being said, uh, you're being told how you're behaving, your emotions, and now you're recording things. So you're also, again, being told that uh, you're you're hormonal. Uh, So eventually you're going to have this child. And when does, I guess, you know, the beginning of the end uh, occur? Like there was never any resolve, right? Like, he would just like storm off and then he would come back and I'd, I'd be asleep. And like, he would, he would like turn the lights off and rip the sheets off and be like, you have to get out of the house right now. You know, like, like and this, he, he did this like several times, um, you know, and it was just like so jarring. Um, and then, and then just like the arguments, like, like everything would be fine and we'd be getting along. And then, and then we have like, such a minor disagreement and um like all of a sudden like things were terrible and we hated each other and it was never gonna work you know and it's like it was so like like black and white like like either things were great or things were awful and we hated each other and it was never gonna work and I just like like how am I supposed to feel secure in a relationship when he's so unwilling to work on anything and just so willing to just like discard the whole situation over some minor disagreement, you know? And then, um, and then, um, there was this one instance where I'm not even sure what we were arguing about, but he took my, um, my phone and my laptop and my car keys and, he told me I need to sit in my room and think about what I've done. I'm like, wow, like I'm not, I'm, I'm not a child, you know, <laughs> like this is insane. Um, so I, I found my, my spare key and I was, um, I was like, I need to get out of here. Like I just, I need to leave. So I, I ran out to the car and I started it and I started driving down. We had a, a really long driveway and I started driving down and he jumped on top of the car and like would not get off of the car. He would not let me leave my house. Um, but I really, I really just felt like, like a prisoner, you know, like I could, I couldn't leave. I couldn't, I couldn't have friends over. I couldn't have money. Like even like the farm, the farm that we started, he, he would not allow me to have any of the money. Like after every market, he would pocket all of the money. The very last straw, oh, well, okay, so the very last straw, he and I had gotten into an argument, and he told me, like, that he was texting this girl, and that she was going to cut his hair, and so he was like, I'm leaving, Um, she's going to, I'm going to go get a haircut from her, and I'm like, what, like, we're in the middle of an argument, and you're going to go hang out with this girl? She just lost her job and like, I really want to be supportive. And then later he had said that, uh, she was going to give him a free haircut. So I was like, how are you supporting her by giving her, by giving, by getting a free haircut, you know? And it just, it, it didn't make sense. Like it didn't add up to me. And like, why, like, why in any case, like you would, you would go hang out with this person in the middle of an argument, um, and it, it just was, it just didn't make sense. And so I, 
I never looked through his phone before, but I just, I was feeling really untrusting and I just, I wanted to see like the conversation between them, um, to see like what was really happening, you know, like cause he had left his phone behind. Um, and then when I, when I did, I had, um, I had seen a, a number that he was texting that he hadn't saved. So I was trying to figure out who this text was from. And I, I, I ended up getting to a point where there was a text that said um, that I was abusing him and that he needed to, to break up with me. And like, I was like about to have a baby and like, I was so confused. It was from his sister and she was convinced that I was abusing him. And obviously like I had to confront him about this, you know, and he got home and I said like, please, like, please give me one explicit example of something that I have done that can possibly be interpreted as abuse like please like I like I would like to like if I'm so unaware that I don't I don't I don't even realize that I'm being abusive like please tell me so that I can do better and he just told me like oh like my family just sees like how unhappy I am and like that you just you need to apologize to my family for making me so miserable and so unhappy And I said, like, okay, but, like, you being miserable does not equate to me being abusive. Like, I need a specific example. Like, if you you can give me an example of something that I've done, I will will happily apologize. And he just couldn't do it. And so, (laughs) so clearly, like, whatever he is telling them um, is not aligning with what he's telling me. And it's also not aligning with my my experience. So that for me, that for me was it, you know, like, like I, I can't, I like, I, I can't continue to be in a relationship with someone who's accusing me of being abusive. Like, so I said, like, I, like, that's it. I'm like, I'm done, you know? And then the next morning I had gone out to breakfast with um the two friends that he forbid me from seeing and when I got back um we had lived in this house it was in the country and there was no locks on any of the doors and I for like for like the two years we were there I was like please put locks on the doors like I don't feel safe and when I got back from from breakfast he had put locks on all of the doors and my son, who was three years old at this point, they were, they were locked inside and they would not let me in the house. Um, and they were watching me from, from inside the window. And he was, he was screaming like, your mom, she's a bad person. She's a bad person. Like she's a, she's a bitch. Like she's a bad person. And like, he eventually let me in and he said that, if my things weren't, if I wasn't packed and gone by 8 a.m. the next morning, then all of my things would be in the driveway. And at this point, my daughter was one month old. I had a one month old and a three year old. And it's not just my things, it's their things as well, you know? So, um, 
so I, I packed up everything and, and I I moved the next day. I, I left a lot. I left a lot. Um, I left most of my things. But I, I took the kids and like our clothes and the toys and I left. And where did you go? And what happened after when it came to uh, custody and things along those lines? The people that I had I had been working for at the restaurant, they had a, a little studio apartment um, behind their house. And they, they had offered that um, for, for my kids and I to stay there um, for, for until I, you know, could figure it out. Um, they weren't charging me rent. I moved in there. They had a, a bakery as well. So they um, they offered me a, a baking position when I was able to go back to work. Because at that point, my daughter was only one month old, so I wasn't ready to go back to work. But they had, they had told me that I could bake. Um, and the baking shift was like in the middle of the night, right? So that was the plan. Um, I, I was only there for a few months. I had I had a friend I had an old friend from high school and he was up there a lot and he like my ex had found out and he became really jealous and he came over to my apartment the my friend wasn't there at the time but my ex walks in and starts gathering all of the all of the things that he feels belong to him like he had purchased a, a baby swing for my daughter. He grabbed the baby swing. Um, he started rifling through my doors and throwing things. Um, there was a like a cow skull that my sister had given to me um, at Christmas that he had like painted. And so he like took that. And then um, there was a rug, like a rug that he really liked. Um, so he went and like he grabbed the rug and I was like, that's not yours. Like, that's not yours. Like, and I went to go grab the rug and he had shoved me, um, over the bed. And like, there was like a toy chest at the end and I ended up, um, falling on the toy chest and onto the floor. Um, and my daughter was sleeping on the bed at this time. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, and so then he ended up walking out and I, I locked the doors and then he was trying to get back in and he was pacing back and forth, like, let me in, let me in. Um, but I had called the cops at this point um, because I was by myself and like, I felt very unsafe. And while I was on the phone with them, he opened one of the windows. One of the windows was unlocked or unlatched and he grabs my son, my three-year-old son, and he pulls him out of the window. And, um, then he realizes I'm on the phone and he says like, are you calling the cops? Are you calling the cops? And he, um, he puts my son back and he drives away. Um, so at that point I filed for a restraining order, which was, I was granted a temporary restraining order. We went to court for custody and I had, um, my parents paid for a lawyer, um, and we went and the day came and he didn't show up. He never came. So I was granted uh, full legal and physical custody of both of my kids. And then like a couple months later, 
he files for custody again. So we had to go back. And like in the midst of this, uh, he had sent me um, pictures of his car and like he had a hose attached to the exhaust pipe and then through the window. And he had been threatening to, um, to kill himself. And, um, I had, I had brought that to, to court saying like, okay, like this person is like either suicidal or like, frankly, I, like, I, I'm well aware that it is a, a manipulation tactic. I, I, I don't genuinely think he was trying to kill himself. I think that he was trying to get me to feel sorry for him, but either way, like, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that that's, <laughs> that's normal or okay. And like, I didn't feel safe, like leaving my young children alone with him. So I brought that, um, to the court and then we ended up settling on supervised visitation. Um, I said like, we could either do it at like the, there's like, um, uh, a place where you can go to have like supervisors, but he has to pay for that. Um, so then I said, like, you can see them at your mom's house. Right. Um, but that, that didn't work. He never showed up because if it, like, if it wasn't on his terms, you know, like, so like, Oh, I'm not even able to like take them places or do things or like parade them around town to show everyone what a good dad I am, you know? (laughs) So he just didn't show up. So that was a situation for a while. He just didn't see them. Um, and then, of course, you know, he would he would tell everyone that I'm keeping his kids from him. Um, and that's still the narrative to this day, you know, like that I'm keeping his kids from him and uh, which is absolutely not not the case. Um, like despite despite everything, like uh I know that my, my son really loves his dad. Uh, and I've always tried to, 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 to work with him. Um, there was a time where he was living like 90 minutes away and I would drive the kids to his house. Like once they got a little bit older, we started doing like weekend visitations, um, so I, w- I would drive them an hour and a half each way on Friday and then pick them up on Sunday. So, you know, I would spend like six hours of my weekend driving around so that my kids could see their dad. But still there's like this narrative of like, of me not allowing the kids to see them. Uh, and I think that's, that's the most difficult and frustrating part of the, of the whole thing is like, like that whole experience was awful and it really sucked to have to deal with all that, but it's the narrative. It's his, it's his narrative that I, that I am bad and evil and abusive and that I'm keeping his kids from him and that I'm a terrible mother. Like that's, that's the most painful part. You know, I, I really tried, you know, and it's, it sucks. Like you can go your whole life trying to be like a good person and a good friend and a good partner and a good mom, but like you piss off the wrong person and they will make it their mission to destroy your reputation. Um, and, and that's, that's the most painful thing about everything. It's just, you know, it, it's like, <laughs> despite everything, I, I continue to try to work with this person 
I mean, we've been split up for like six and a half years. And, and for the most part, I, I try not to spend too much time or energy uh, thinking about it. <laughs> um, but recently, um, he, he's been living with this, this woman for um, about six months. They moved in pretty quickly together. And uh, about a month ago, she, she had been arrested for a domestic dispute and um and I was talking several people had told me about the incident and um I was talking to a a friend of mine and he referred to her as his abuser and it 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 really was just so (laughs) deeply triggering to me because I I don't really know this person very well you know and and she's very good to my kids and so um when I heard that there was this incident and from my personal experiences I just um I know that he pushed her until she snapped and like you know um I I I don't I don't believe that his because he's saying that she just attacked him out of nowhere you know that's his his narrative and I, I don't believe that for one for one minute. Um, and I just I really wish because you know I'm sure that she thinks that I'm this crazy abusive person, but now she's the crazy abusive girlfriend, you know. So now that we are here in your life, and you're still dealing with this. Um, do you have any, uh, words of wisdom for everyone listening for what you went through? Sometimes, sometimes you have to be the villain in someone else's story. And, uh, and, you know, I, I've spent years and years trying to understand, understand this person and, and, uh, but, but you can't. You can't, you can't make sense of the irrational, um, you know, so, um, I guess just, uh, don't give away any more of your power, you know, just, just, uh, just focus on yourself and your, your, uh, being the best, the best version that you can be. Because you're never going to change this person or their narrative about you. Well, Canva, I want to thank you for being a guest on our show today and sharing your story. Uh, What you did today isn't easy. Uh, I know you were really nervous at the beginning of this uh, recording. So a a big thank you. You're going to help a lot of people. Because your story is one that we don't hear a lot on, on our show when it comes to uh, reactive abuse uh, and in in dealing with that and explaining it in a way that people can understand, not just people who have gone through it, but for people who might be listening who have never gone through this and don't understand the ins and outs of everything. So really big thank you for being with, being with us here today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thank you so much for listening. 
Well, thank you for sharing. And if people want to be a guest on our show like Canva was today, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. Click on that button. It takes you to our Guest Form page, and you will read all of our instructions there. Please send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. Also at our website, we have our very own support group. So if you want to join our very own safe social network, top of the page at NarcissistApocalypse.com, there's a support group button. You click on it and it takes you to our support group. I've said it many times now. Uh, And we have ad-free episodes. We have episodes that never made it to air. And we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night and Uh, Saturday night and every other Thursday afternoon, we have forum boards for you to reach out and uh, talk with people and get the support that you need. Also, if you need even more support than what we're offering at NarcissistApocalypse.com, you can go to our friends at DomesticShelters.org where they have some free resources for you. They have articles uh, that you can read. They have uh, local resources on there if you need to get a hold of a shelter. Uh, it's it's just a great organization, domesticshelters.org. They help a lot of a lot of people. It's a free resource, so please do go to domesticshelters.org today. And that is it for our show today. A big thank you uh, to Canva. And from Canva and myself, we hope you have a good night. <laughs>